and welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. Uh, today, it's just me and Graham Thompson. Uh, we've got no superstars or gifted uh, theologians or pastors or preachers. Today, you've just got the bog standard blokes from up north. How are you doing, Graham? All right, mate. How are you? Good, good. Good to be speaking to somebody of a similar level to me instead of these geniuses <laughs> I've had on. <laughs> Oh. You don't have, have to think of some big words to say to to prove you're not an idiot now. Yeah, I'm an idiot, so it's fine. <laughs> I have a list of I have a list of uh, things that words and terms that make me sound more intelligent than I am, but it still doesn't work apparently. <laughs> Especially when you've got Doctor Mark Pickett on. <laughs> yeah, well, the, it's great to have uh, guests from other contexts and from other countries. But ultimately, what we're trying to do here is support lads like us on the ground, aren't we? So yep. um, one of the things I'd like to talk about today is, is preaching. And there's a lot there's a lot of uh, books out there on preaching, on sermon preparation. There's, there's lots of talks and training on these things. But I've never, ever come uh, across any teaching that teaches you how to preach when you can't be asked. And I think <laughs> when you're in our context... I could have done with some resource or book being written uh, a long time ago because uh, when, when you start off preaching, you have this desire and this zeal and this kind of uh, false impression that it's just awesome to be a preacher. Uh, and it is awesome preaching when things are going well, but it's more difficult when things are going tough. And I just wondered, does that resonate with you, Graham? Oh, definitely, mate. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing this, what, 10 years now? And like yeah like you say when you first start and you only preach every once every month or not even that kind of thing um and um it's exciting isn't it it's like your birthday you know you you prepare for prepare for ages and you you know you get up and it's all exciting and then you know when you're a pastor of a small little church you're preaching every week hmm. and you just like it is like that thing in it you know you preach on a sunday you go to bed Sunday night, you get up next morning and you're starting next week, you know, it's mm. rolling that stone back up the hill and, and it can be, it, it can be brutal. It can be, you know, to start a new sermon after you've just absolutely bombed on Sunday, <laughs> um, you know, or to get up on Sunday morning, you just like, like you say, you just cannot be bothered to get out of bed or you just whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it can be brutal because you've got to stand up in front of people and speak for God. Um, and you know there are all sorts of reasons why that's hard, and so just that that day by day, especially in a small church like ours, you know, week by week, just getting up and preaching, it it, it won't what I was sold by all the the you know the <laughs> preaching books and magazines and yeah. stuff I heard at conferences, and that I can tell you that. Well, what can you remember? What it was like the first time you desired to preach? Can you remember? Was there a calling? Was there? Uh, I don't know. Was there a divine? moment of inspiration or what was it like no, i think i think i was thinking about this and i think i mean i've done like little evangelistic talks and stuff at, at the youth club and all that kind of stuff but i think what what first got got me into it were um the pastor of the church i were in at the time were going on a sabbatical and so they said oh before he goes um, we're going to get all young lads or older lads or anybody who might preach at the church. Um, and we're going to do a preaching course with them. And then 
they're all going to preach through and so were that and preached and I, it was horrendous um, <laughs> but people were kind and they were like oh there might be some here and and so yeah the culture i were in at that time church culture were like you know you you got your um you earned your wings as a teacher as a preacher like you just went out to all tiny little churches who didn't have a pastor and that and just preached like that so i went all over the shop you know and and i'm sure they were awful but <laughs> yeah i, I quite I thought, oh, I'd like to teach God's word, but not, you know, I remember saying the words, I will never be a pastor, mm. um, which you shouldn't say, should you? But no, I, d- I don't think I ever thought, oh, yeah, there's some real desire. It was kind of like a situation that happened. And um, it was like, yeah, here's something I can I, I can do. And people recognize some gifting, I guess. Uh, and that developed over time. So, but yeah, it was... It was horrendous. I, I was so nervous. I mean, fortunately for me, I'd done, like like I said, I'd done lots of evangelistic talks and I'd done beach mission and stuff. So, I'd, I'd you know, I'd stood up in the middle of Whitby in the street and, you know, preached the gospel. I remember the first time I did that, I was hiding behind the board before it started, you know, absolutely bricking it. Um, <laughs> and so I had a bit of experience, but, yeah, I mean, I can remember the first time I heard you preach. <laughs> You were supposed to preach 15 minutes. You gave up after 35. You're only halfway through. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, not like me to not shut up, is it? To mm. to, <laughs> to overstay my welcome. What about you, though? Were you, because, like, I mean, you were you were converted in later life. Not, I mean, I guess, you you know, you're in and around church, but mm. not in the same way I were, I guess, um, where, you know, you're a young guy, 19-year-old in the train up as preacher and you were converted a lot later than I want you so what were it like for you did you want to be a preacher as soon as you become a Christian or? I got I got saved at 28 and I shared my testimony when I was uh, baptized probably a year later I was 29 30 something like that and somebody came up to me and said that they think I should be a preacher and as a daft young man full of ego and pride, I was like, oh, bonus, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise what that entailed. Uh, but I was doing the circuits in Middlesbrough, sharing my testimony. You know what it's like in some uh, church context. Uh, they'd rather listen to a t- testimony than a sermon. And then a lot of churches would invite me to speak uh, and share my testimony who didn't have pastors. And then one day a church <laughs> said, would you like to preach for us? And I just said, yeah. I've never, ever prepared a sermon before in my life. And I didn't really know, uh, but I was good at talking. And I remember it now. It's my favourite chapter in the Bible, I think, Acts 4. Because uh, you're an unschooled ordinary man. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but also the, just the, the boldness that the Christians had after praying and being filled with the Spirit. And obviously I was saved in a charismatic context. And how dangerous it is to see so many preachers untrained yeah. let into the pulpit because... I, I, do you know by the gates of beautiful where they, they just healed that that guy in the wheelchair there was a guy in the wheelchair in the congregation and i was almost going to tell him to stand up i was that <laughs> seriously i was that convinced of through my poor exegesis that 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 could happen that i almost did it and fortunately through god's providence and wisdom i, I was that excited i forgot to do it <laughs> But, oh, man, that would have been the, the start of the end, wouldn't it? It would have been crying then. Oh, mate. 
So I just remember I, I, I went up when I was invited to preach. I was like high fiving everyone. <laughs> so I was going up as, as if I was a, a contestant on like blankety blank Osmet. Oh, I look back with shame, but yeah. not just on how much of a prat I looked and made of myself, but just how badly I handled the word of God. And, and I did that for a number of years until I was preaching one day on a passage to do with false teachers. And I suddenly thought, how do I know I'm not a false teacher? And that's what started me on my journey looking yeah. for training and, and, and teaching. But yeah, there's so many young men who have a desire, but have no training given the opportunities. And it's, and it's just dangerous. And it's sad for these young men who love the Lord and love God's word, but just don't know how to handle it. Yeah. yeah so i look back and cringe on my early days and i wouldn't say my preaching has got any better it's just less heretical <laughs> <laughs> that means it is better yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah i think over time as well like you say you start off with a zeal and excitement you're doing one a month or one every few weeks and you and you have a time and a break and and but Every week, if you're required to preach every week, there's going to be times where you're struggling, where you recently can't be bothered. And there's so many different reasons for that. And uh, I've, I've been warned about ego. I've been warned about pride being a killer of preachers and, 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 and sermons. But one thing I, I, I was never warned about was doubt and uh, unbelief. And I'm not saying this is the first time it's ever happened, but on Saturday, I was having to, to preach on uh, the return of Jesus. And the question I was asking is, do we really believe? And I honestly couldn't answer that I really believe that Jesus is coming back. And I, I, I was preaching that sermon to myself. I, I didn't want to preach, but it'd been arranged for a while. I couldn't back out. You've, you, you let your yeses be yeses and all that. Lot. But, <laughs> like, how on earth are you supposed to preach when you're struggling in your own faith and I've not really seen any any uh, resources out there to help pastors who, who are struggling, who are having a crisis of faith, who uh, may be walking fine with the Lord and then a tragedy or something happens within their life to get them questioning, do I really believe what I'm preaching? Mm. Has that ever, ever hit you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean... I want to say I'm quite stable emotionally. I'm not. I'm probably more stable than you, at least. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't think... Yeah, it's funny. This is a slightly different topic, isn't it? But I, I'm just not... I'm not one of those per people who've ever kind of had a crash and, like, I don't, I don't believe the gospel. Mm. You know, intellectually, any road. Mm. I think functionally, mm. I do it all the time. Yeah, and well, I, that's it. That's it. Theologically, I'll argue yeah. all day, but... Like you say, practically, that that are we living as if we believe what we're preaching? Yeah. That was I it. I think that's 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 where it gets me. Is like, it's when I'm preaching, you know. Um, and you're, I mean, you're quite like me. Like you're, I guess, yeah. It's that ADHD kind of thing in it that my brain is bouncing all over the place. I once heard a singer. And they said to him, what are you thinking while you're on stage? You know, and he's like, I've booked the plumber and, you know, <laughs> did I leave gas on and all that kind of stuff. He, he says, what you're thinking when you're doing your job. And I, and I, my brain is bouncing all over the place, you know, when I'm preaching. Mm. And I'm like, I, I, I can remember exact like times I'm preaching away 
And I'm like, this ain't going to make any difference. Mm. You know, these people are still going to go home changed, uh, unchanged, and I'm I'm going to be the same. And, you know, that person over there is not listening. That kid's picking his nose. I don't even care about this. Mm. Um, you know, I, oh, I missed that out. That That's a really vital bit, but is, you know, He's, he's preaching pointless. Like he's, I'm thinking these things as I'm preaching, mm. you know, and, and, and I think the, the, the key is, it's what you say, well, what you said then is like on Saturday, you were preaching that to yourself. Mm. And I think it's like, it's like any time when we have doubts in Christian life in it, we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. Mm. And I think, you know, you're, I, I have literally given myself a talking to while I'm preaching. Mm. I'm like, no, it's the word of God. And uh, yeah, and he done all this work. You know, I come home from that. Sorry. That's the other thing is it's not just when I'm preaching. It's when you come home, mm. you know, you come home like you've preached, maybe even preached your heart out and people are just sat there and then nobody talks to you about sermon. And I don't know about you, but my initial reaction, if nobody says out about sermon, they think it's rubbish. Mm. Um, and then, you, you know, people are all, uh, you know, th- there's been no to encourage you kind of thing. And then you come home and, and wife says, what's up with you? I said, oh, well, it's awful, isn't it? You know, the, I'm a rubbish preacher and da, 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 da. And, and nobody. I remember once being with another pastor and we were talking to our Sunday sermons and his missus came in and said, what's wrong with you two? And they're like, oh, we're rubbish preacher, blah, blah. She went, you've forgotten the gospel. And that's the thing in it. We need people around us to give us a slap and say, well, it doesn't matter if you're a rubbish preacher or whatever, preach your best. And Jesus does it. And I think that is the preaching the gospel to yourself and having people around you who will preach that gospel to you Mm. is what you need when you have a a crisis of doubt. It's not easy, is it? You know, because you feel like a hypocrite Mm. when you're preaching it. I mean, what did you do on Saturday? We were just like, literally, I, I believe this. Lord help my unbelief, kind of thing. No, it was, uh, it was. I don't know, Lord. I know this is true. I can't think there's anything else that's true, but I need it in my heart. I need it yeah. from my head, in my heart. Uh, I need to be living like that. We all face trials and troubles, don't we? And and the applications I was given, I haven't been applying. Do you know what I mean? And I knew what they were, and and I'm and I'm convicted i'm challenged i'm encouraged all at the same time while i'm trying to preach <laughs> i'm just in tears thinking oh flipping heck lord and it's, and it's been a process over over a, over a couple of weeks trying to apply what i know to be true and what the church needs to apply but it, it, it sometimes it's it's so difficult and uh it just reminds me of what Ms. mcconnell said to me a couple of years ago when we'd been given some bad news about a family member and uh, I rang him and I said, look, I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm spent. I, I don't know what to do with this. And he said to me, your church is going to be looking at you and see if you practice what you preach, mm. everything you've been telling them for the last five years, they're going to see is this man putting it into practice in his whole life. And, and it was a reminder that, I'm not Jesus, do you know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be preaching to myself, but I think the biggest reminder that I need feeding myself. Yeah. And I think if we're just constantly preparing sermon to feed others and we're not getting fed ourselves, and, and that's what I've looked back at and I've just thought about, if, if I haven't been listening to other men of God, then, then how am I going to grow? 
But um, I think as well, it comes back to what you were saying about, you know, you're preaching a sermon to yourself or, you know, that thing you said about um, ego or whatever that might be in preaching. I think it's in our preparation as well. You know, it's a cliche, isn't it? If you've not, if you've not applied it to yourself before you preach, you can't apply it to other people. Mm. Um, but I think, like, we all know that. But again, it's functionally, in it? You know, as soon as I up, sit at this desk mm. and open my Bible on a Monday morning, my brain, I read the passage and my brain's going, mm. how does that apply to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? It just automatically. But what I need to work harder at is, is how that, how does that apply to me? What, what are the ways in which I'm, you know, I'm falling short here or I need to trust Jesus more without me just preaching my insecurities? Because I think that's another thing that we can just apply it to ourselves and therefore, you know, everybody just gets to know the ways we're a loser rather than <laughs> hearing about what they need to do. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, and another thing as well is <clears throat> just with life, we, we, we experience doubt, we experience unbelief. We're human. That's why we need the gospel. Mm. Uh, we're, we're weak, but also we're in a fallen world and uh, we grieve. We, there'll be times where we, we suffer loss of loved ones. We struggle with depression or ill health ourselves. I mean, I, I preached one Sunday the day after my father-in-law died. And uh, yeah, we... we we're called to to preach in all seasons at all times. It's a it's a full time vocation that we're involved in. So obviously, there's going to be times where we're struggling. Yet again, a lot of the resources I see on preach, I was never advised what to do when a family member dies and you've got to preach the next day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you do? I mean, fortunately, I, I preached about the God of all comfort, so that was... That <laughs> it was Andy. Yeah, it was... Almost it was, like somebody knew it was going to happen, <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but these are, these are the things we suffer. We, we suffer... We, 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 are, we are fallen people in a fallen world, and I think there's so many little resources. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's almost as if there's a culture in this country of pastors and preachers uh, being emotionless, and not being able to show the weakness or the fallibility they've got to have this professionalism and i think that impacts in people sharing when they when they're struggling as well when they are grieving or when they're depressed so nobody really shares or this is how god got me through a period of grief when i had to preach weekly when i just wanted to stay in my bed and cry all day <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah i mean i i remember someone saying to me like I mean, he, he, he said you got to smile more in the pulpit. No. And I was like, well, you know, that's 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 really hard for me. Um, but what he said was, um, if people don't think you're experiencing the joy of the Lord, why should they? Right now, that goes back to what Mess said to you. You know, people want to see it lived out. Yeah. But I think that can become unhealthy in that we must never show weakness then i'm i've got the joy of the lord you know i stand up in the pulpit and i love these truths and i embrace these truths and you know i'm i'm happy all day long you know um and that's not true and so you've got to we've got to be real about that as well you know when when if if i stand up and i remember just over a year ago we'd gone through horrendous times of church and individually, I'd had a terrible week. And I ended up, just because of the week, like 
Uh, I'd had a lot of criticism and all sorts of stuff. And uh, um, I ended up not getting any sermon prep done until Saturday morning, which is my day off. And then uh, the <laughs> I'd literally sat down to start in the washing machine, um, almost exploded as water everywhere. So I ended up preaching on 40 minutes preparation, literally from looking at the Bible to, to having my notes, 40 minutes. And I got up and I said, I said, look, it's been a week and blah, blah, blah. And I was just really honest with people, you know, this is this is the kind of week it's been for all of us. And 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 we're struggling and and you know, I've not got a massively erudite or anything to say. We're just gonna look at the text and and think about it, kind of thing. I'm I'm like people come up to me after that's the best sermon you've ever preached. I go, oh, thanks a lot. You know, normally I spend flipping hours, you know, preparing this sermon. And like I've, I've chucked something together in forty minutes. Not even open a book. I listen to another sermon or something. And the best sermon I've ever preached. But I think there's just that that realistic thing of you know, look, I need this text as much as you do, hmm. and you can see that. You know, um, I've nearly cried twice ever preaching. Once was at the Meadows Ministries uh, thing the other year, but I blame that on spending too much time with you. Um, but yeah, this was the other one. And like, and people got like, wow, you know, it has been a hard week. And so they rallied around and stuff. And I think, I think there's just something about that being real. And so preaching, even though it might not be your best sermon, preaching when you are bust up and broken and beaten and scarred and that, it actually is really good for the church because it shows, you know, this guy's going through it. This guy's a loser and this guy needs the gospel. And, you know, he's not just giving me list of rules and stuff. So I think it's actually good for the church. And sometimes the Lord takes us through that, not only to teach us and shape us as, as men, but also to help our churches grow together in, in how we apply the word to ourselves. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think, I, I, I totally agree in the fact that there's been lots of mornings where I can't be bothered speaking to my wife or getting out of bed, never mind getting into the pulpit and speaking to the church. And uh, that's that's that same thing where we've got such a battle with ego, whether it's we, we think we're the best preacher in the world or we want to be the best preacher in the world to thinking we're the worst preacher in the world and, and forgetting that it's irrelevant what we are like. And yeah. It, it's the message that we're bringing. So I think sometimes my motivation when I'm feeling low to get into the pulpit, all you can do is lean on the Lord and say, right, Lord, if it is not about the messenger, it's about the message Then you're going to have to do something because I'm spent. And again, it's, it's humbling to see that people go up and say, thank you. That's just what I needed. When... Yeah. Well, I think the Lord, the Lord does that on purpose though, <laughs> to teach us that, that like, you know, like you said, it don't matter. You know, you you could preach the best sermon in the world ever, yeah. right? And not that nothing happens because you know the Lord's word doesn't return to him with empty kind of thing. But you know, you don't see it happening, mm. or there's nothing big happens. But sometimes people come up and say, "Oh yeah, but I was, like you said, just what I needed or whatever." And I think my reaction is to go, "Oh right, well, there's no point prepping then or whatever." Thanks very much. And actually, I should be saying, Lord, thank you for teaching me that you work regardless of me and, you know, praise you. Mm. You know, that, that should be our reaction, wouldn't it? That's what he's teaching us. Yeah. In that sense. 
Yeah, it is. It's a, it's it's far from Hollywood, isn't it? It's... <laughs> <laughs> but I think you do, don't you? You look up and you see these pastors and preachers, especially those that have uh, the ministry's impacted you and blessed you. Yeah, you, you forget that it's not that minister that is changing your life or impacting you, but his saviour that he's speaking about. And so often, I think we can try and emulate the pastor or the preacher rather than uh, Jesus himself, who yeah, we yeah. should be modelling our lives on. And uh, and again, I think that's what happens if we are, we're, we're trying to preach in a particular style and we're more concerned with being like a man than like Jesus. That's when uh, uh, sin affects us as preachers. I mean, I've been in that pulpit preaching and, oh, mate, what I used to love about being an itinerant preacher was I didn't have my wife looking back at me, <laughs> reminding me of my sin. But when you're preaching to your home church week in, week out, yeah. if, if, I felt like a hypocrite. I've looked out and I, I look at my wife and I just think she must think I'm a fraud, I'm a hypocrite because she knows what I've been like this week. Yeah. And and that, well, oh, it's like walking through treacle sometimes. You just stood feeling convicted and again that's where you've got to remind yourself that the message is true regardless of how much of a failure the messenger is and i, I don't know if you ever had that before where just that conviction of sin but it's not nice it's i just want the ground to swallow me up and fortunately it's not as often as it used to be but it still happens i remember i was preaching uh, this last sunday on um on john seven you know asking it shall be given you and blah 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 and i'm like you know God's, God's not made prayer and dependence on him and stuff complicated. He's just given us an open goal. So, you know, not get off your backsides and pray because you can sit on your backside, but whatever. You know, just get and pray, you know, and, and ask the Lord. And, and he's promised to fulfill his purposes and whatever. And, and I'm preaching that thinking, yeah, I've not prayed, prayed anywhere near enough that the Lord would use this sermon hmm. as I should have done or, or whatever. You know, it becomes perfunctory. It becomes just something you do, doesn't it? You know, I'll, you know, you open your Bible and you prep and you're like, oh, yeah, Lord, please show me what this means and change some lives and stuff. Hmm. And and I think, you know, that's maybe something we can talk about another time about, you know, how much prayer in our preaching and stuff. But, yeah, just like, yeah, I remember preaching on the Ten Commandments. And, you know, we, we did it at our last church. We did a, a series on the Ten Commandments, just one each time. That's brutal. Don't do that. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, your first one, you shall have no other gods bef- beside me or whatever it is before me. Mm. It's like, you know, like literally every word of that is a is a, is a condemnation, you know, or, you know, thinking through what it means to to bear false witness in your, to your na- on your neighbour. And uh, you're looking out at these people who you slag off all the time because they're really annoying. <laughs> and you're like, you know, not because they, they're, they're particularly sinful or whatever, they just annoy you because they, they want you to do your job kind of thing. Um, you know, so, yeah, so it's brutal sometimes, isn't it, just to get that that stab. And I think that's that is particularly true in little churches like ours, isn't it, because there's no hiding place. So, you know, everybody in that room has seen me lose it, probably, in one way or another, even in the last week kind of thing. Whereas like, if you're in a massive church and, you you know, you don't see most of the people from one Sunday to the next. Mm. Whereas in our little church, it's like, I mean, we're not in and out of each other's houses at the minute, are we? But normally, mm. but, you know, we're on Zoom all the time or in park or whatever. And people just see us with our kids and see us with our wife and, mm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, 
I think it's the whole church. It's not just it's not just my wife or my son, you know. Who, yeah. Well, that's the thing with, with Jude is he will heckle in the sermon. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's something about obedient, obeying your parents or something. Go, oh, well, yeah, wish you could if they were good or something. Um, <laughs> you know, so he literally, he's not just me looking out and getting that conviction. The whole church hears um, how much of a loser I am. And so, but it, again, into it, he's preaching the, he's preaching the gospel to yourself and saying, you know, that's why I think we in sermons we can fall into like almost legalism of of saying you know we must do this this passage says we must do this mm. without bringing the thing look you've all failed at this this week mm. come back to the cross and it's in those things that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves and saying yeah i have failed at this lord and it's i'm not preaching this to these folks that they need to live like this because i've lived like this particularly mm. i need to live like this and i'm sorry i've failed Please help me to live like this. Um, and so it is preaching that gospel to them and preaching it to yourself as well, isn't it? Because that is the danger, isn't it? Thinking that you actually deserve to be up there. Yeah. I mean, when you're crippled by sin, that's no worse than thinking you deserve to be up there because you're not a sinner. <laughs> you know what I mean, without the gospel, you 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 either condemned by guilt or promoting yourself through pride. So, yeah, totally essential. It's that. Yeah, preaching the gospel to yourself over them, your sermon preparation, because I think without good preparation, that's why you need to be listening to other preachers during the week, that you need to be having your devotions. Because it's so easy just to prepare a message for the church that you're not actually being fed. It's like like the mother who breastfeeds uh, gives the majority of the nutrients to the kids, and that's what it's like if you're just preparing a sermon, yeah. sharing one sermon out after another. You're giving the nutrients to the flock, and you're starving. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's huge. We need to hear the gospel not just from ourselves, but from from others and from from church members because yeah. uh, that that that's the thing, isn't it? We we've uh, suffer from ego. We 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 suffer from pride from unbelief from uh, depression from grief from from just general life and and our church members need to be aware that we struggle as well and how best can a can a church help the pastors uh, how have you been helped by your congregation in times of uh, struggle and difficulty well, it's my birthday next week, so I'm hoping they're going to help me out there. Um, <laughs> So that alcohol, by yeah, yeah. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I put a picture of it all up. You tweeted, uh, look, there's a church looking to get for an excuse to get rid of the pastor, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, probably not nominating with alcohol is probably not the best thing. I mean, obviously, you know, it sounds the pious cliche thing, isn't it? but it is pray for him. And I think, I think that's that's one thing that the the we need to encourage churches to do for church members to do for pastors because. You know, I mean, as as much as we're we're exposing our hearts in saying how 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 much sin affects our our preparation, our, our preaching and stuff, but you know, we are giving the majority of our time or a lot of our time during the week to to preparing something for Sunday, and it's only the Lord can 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 make that useful, as it were. You know, it's His word; He needs to to use it, and so, um, um and we are tempted to think. Oh, this is pointless. I won't bother, or, or whatever. Right. Um, and so our church members need to be praying for us and let us know they're praying for us. 
I think that's one thing. Uh, my my little church is great. Uh, you know, we have a little WhatsApp group, and the or, or we see them in person, and you know, they let in, we let each other know we're praying for us and stuff. Um, but I just think, I think one of the things that, and this is a bigger issue, but it, it certainly speaks to to the issue we're talking about. One of the things that we've missed out of our definition of sacrificial love really is just is just intentionality so like me and 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 taking initiative and stuff and i think maybe because we've professionalized being a pastor so much it's like we meet with the other people in the church and they're like right well the pastor's gonna the pastor's gonna pour out to me now mm. the pastor's gonna take the initiative to find out how i am and, and help me and stuff and i think one of the things that that really clued up church members do is they, they ask the pastor you know how are you doing is the stuff in your is the stuff in your life so that you're not just being held accountable by the elders or your mates in ministry or whatever, but the church are there saying what what can we be praying for you now? How can I be supporting you? Um, how can I encourage you? What's really encouraged you in your Bible reading this week? So that it's not just a one way relationship. I think that can be a real struggle that the pastor gets up on a Sunday and then meeting you in one to one or whatever, and it's like I will give out and give out and give out really good church members say well no this is a two-way thing i'm there to to help you as as my pastor you're just there to equip me we're, we're here to love and serve each other as church members hmm. and so the church are great at that you know they pray regularly and um, they they you know chat chat about the sermon they're, they're willing to have sermon ideas tested out on them during the week <laughs> i think that's one of the things that i found really hard during corona is when you know you weren't seeing people properly it is like, you know, I'd be prepping someone on a morning and I'd go out and meet somebody and I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that on Sunday and this and that. I'm thinking about this illustration. Does that work and stuff? Mm. Um, and when you don't have that, you realize that's really important. So I think being a sounding board it is another great way. And then then just actually feeding back, mm. you know, um, I, I've often said that I want to ban the words encouraging and challenging um, <laughs> from from church like language because that's all people say you know oh it's very encouraging very challenging yeah what does that mean mm. you know ultimate christian cliche and i think <laughs> we have a we as pastors and elders have a, a responsibility to help train our church members to know what a good sermon is like and what a, a bad sermon is like and um how to talk about what we've been learning in the sermon and that uh, or or in the bible just more generally um but I think then when church members can come to you and say, oh, yeah, I really appreciate this in the sermon. It was it was helpful. And, and that that made me think this or, or I've seen this change in my life. I think that's good. And just that encouragement. Ultimately, how do church members encourage pastors more? Mm. Get stuck in and grow. You know, that's what we love to see in it. It's not it's not people doing amazing feats or buying us presents or whatever. Although that's nice. Um, but it's it's. Is people growing and, yeah. and 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 being changed more like Jesus? I think that's 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 how it really helps. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a little church as well, but you have more of a team, don't you? So, like, you would have more people that you you have a team meeting on a Sunday mo- a Monday morning, and that mm-hmm. is that. Have you made that formal? Those kind of feedback and things like that. Uh, we we have a sermon feed forward. Uh, we pinch that off off 20 schemes i'm sure they pinch that off some other church as well but what we'll do is we'll go through the sermon before we preach it and 
get some encouragement if you've got good ideas. <laughs> if it sounds rubbish, you probably get to it. <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's encouraging to, to get critiqued prior to your sermon because I think after you've preached it, you're a bit more sensitive to be to criticism, aren't you? But, I'd struggle with that, though, because I won't finish it in time. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, it gets to Thursday. I'm like, I ain't got any ideas yet. So, Well, know. the daft thing is, I, I preach on a Thursday and it's changed by the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different sermon. But uh, no, we do. We, we, we meet. We, we Like you say, because we're small, we're, we, we share a lot. We talk a lot. Uh, we're quite a close church. I think being in a small church has the advantages of generally you're, you're probably more relationally closer. So you will chat and people will explain how they've applied the word of God in their life. Uh, but I think one of the discouraging things of being in a small church is, like say if you spent 15, 20 hours a week preparing a sermon, and then you go out and, and preach it, and only six members are before you, and three of them live in your house. Yeah. <laughs> How have you found that? And again, that's a pride issue, but not just a pride issue, because if we were happy with only ever having six people in our church, then yeah. that's a wrong attitude to have anyway. So I think it's how do you manage the desire to see church grow with the contentment of being happy with who God has put before you? Because I remember when we first started in the house, uh, some weeks it was just Rachel and Hannah and Esther and uh, I'd be preaching just to my family. And then one week I... I I just put a Vody Balcom sermon on and Rachel was fuming. She said, why haven't you prepared a sermon? I said, what's the point? There's only the four of us. And she said, well, if you can't be bothered preaching to your family, then why would God bring anyone else for you to preach to? And that massively convicted me, but it still hasn't stopped me looking out to, to four or five people in the congregation and being gutted. Uh, so I, I think there's a conflict between uh, proud ambition and a genuine desire to see God's kingdom grow. How do, you, how do you deal with that as a pastor and a preacher? Yeah, I mean, that was a particular struggle for me at first 18 months, two years here, because, you know, we'd come from a, a much bigger church. You know, the church we were in uh, was probably 100 people by the time we left, if not more on a Sunday morning. Um, and so then to be preaching sometimes to single figures. <laughs> and, and it used to be like, if the if the non-Christians who'd been coming along didn't come, it was absolutely good. You know, that that was it. The rest of the day was, was a write-off because the non-Christians hadn't turned up. And I'd, I'd thought of this especially good illustration or application <laughs> or, or something for them, and yeah. they're not there. Or, or you think of somebody in the congregation. That's what I mean. That's one of the joys of having a small congregation, right? I mean, it has its negatives because when you make a certain application, everybody knows who you're talking about but also it means you can specifically think how does this apply to every single person there um but yeah i, I used to get really right really, really discouraged it's a write-off nobody's you know single figures again and whatever and i think i can't remember when it was but i read an article on i think it was on nine marks website and this was guy was like you know the people in front of you no matter how many of they are that's who the Lord's appointed to be there and what they need is the gospel mm. and God's given you a word for them. Um, get over yourself kind of thing. And we should be, we should be disappointed, right? That the world is not flocking in, but we shouldn't be surprised either. Mm. You know, um, the Lord gives growth in the time, in his time. And we, we ask him for it and we seek to reach as many people as we can. But, you know, on that particular Sunday, 
um, or whenever you're preaching, you know, if it's a midweek or whatever, the Lord has appointed those people to there. Mm-hmm. You've got a sermon for them. Preach it with all your heart because you're not preaching. You're not preaching for them ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the key thing to remember in it. In that, in those kind of situations, you're preaching to them, but you're not preaching for them. You're preaching for the glory of God, mm-hmm. and you're preaching that He might use this word in those people's lives um, to to save to save His people, to make His people more like Jesus. And ultimately, that's that's what sermons are for. Mm. It's for his glory. Um, and the other thing is, like, I just try and remember as well that um, he's, um, uh, the, you know, people, especially now it's on YouTube and stuff, but there will be people who listen online as well. So, you know, the, 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 that non-Christian couple who, who weren't there that week, you know, they probably... I had to tell myself they probably will listen online during week. So you are still preaching to them, you know, we're in, in the first lockdown, you know, you think, Oh yeah, I'm just preaching into computer again, mm-hmm. but then there are probably three or four non-Christians who'd watch it during week. Um, and so it's like, well, you know, the Lord has given you them. So it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's like we were saying before, he's preaching the gospel to yourself. He's telling yourself the truth uh, when your heart wants to believe lies, isn't it? ultimately um you know the the those people are precious people loved by god especially mm. if there's people if the believers in the church you know they, they he has brought them into this church and he's given you the privilege of speaking on his behalf to these people mm. and we just want to go oh well what's the point yeah. well the point is you know before the foundation of the world god chose these people to be holy and blameless in his sight and you've got the privilege of speaking the word that the spirit uses to make them like that. So rejoice, but it's not easy, you know, because we're, again, it comes down to our ego, doesn't it? We want, we want as many people as there as possible so they can tell us how brilliant our sermon is. And because it makes us feel like we've not wasted our time during the week, it does all come back down to that selfish pride, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and the question is, do we really believe that Jesus is coming back, <laughs> uh, which is a reminder to me because we, we, I, I, I want a comfortable little life and a comfortable little church. I'm thinking about where will the church be in five years instead of thinking Jesus could be back in five minutes. Yeah. Where is my joy? Where is my contentment? Is it in the fact that Jesus is coming back and all things will be made new? Or is it, I hope he delays it a little bit longer so that I can build a little name and kingdom for myself before he does come back. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope this wasn't a depressing podcast. (laughs) 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 I want to bring a a bit of reality, but end on a joyful note that Jesus is coming back, that we're all losers, regardless of how big or small our ministry is. Uh, We're all losers. We're all sinners. And it's only by his grace that we are permitted to share the gospel in the first Mm -hmm. place. Uh, it's a tough gig, but a privileged gig. And uh, as much as I want to retire every week, I can't really think of anything else that I'd do in its place. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully this will have been of some help to people in similar contexts. And uh, we'll probably do another chat shortly on uh, some more positive aspects of preaching. <laughs> oh, cheers, Graham. Thanks for joining us. See you soon. Uh, Thanks for listening to the In Context podcast.